Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Fitness Solution. This week is, again, yet an incredibly special episode because I managed to get onto the podcast a man called Jared Hamilton. Now, you may or may not have heard of Jared, but he came on to my podcast a few years ago, except I was never able to fully publish it because of internet issues and it was just a very 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 fraught affair but luckily he didn't hold it against me luckily he felt honored to be asked to come on again and i managed to record all of it and i am now able to bring that to you and it's an absolute joy chatting to him was so interesting it always is he's so insightful and there's just the things he the way he dissects things is just marvelous he's based in indiana in the us and on today's episode we talk about weight loss we talk about scale weight how to get over your fear of the scale and we talk about binge eating and the conversation really picks up speed so i'm not saying this just to make sure you listen to the whole episode i promise but i really strongly think you you should stick with this one because when we was recording it we both felt that it just really started picking up pace picking up speed. It was getting better and better and better as we just kept going on and on and on. And to be honest, I was gutted when I had to say goodbye because I enjoyed it that much. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to enjoy it as much as I did as well. So that's it from me. Don't forget, if you want to find out more about one-to-one coaching from myself, Adam Berry, The Gym Starter, then all you have to do is head over to www.thegymstarter.com and follow the links on there, and you can find out how you can get more from me. You know, I used to work online with, I've always worked online with people throughout my career, but I've also worked in person as an in-person coach. And an awful lot of People believe that in-person coaching is the only way they'll ever get results because they believe that they need to meet someone at the gym because that's the only reason they're going to be motivated to go to the gym. And in my opinion, that's just not true because the truth is in person, you might be able to only be able to afford one session a week with me. And that's 0.6% of your week. That's not going to make a huge dent in what it is you achieve. So the way I view one-to-one online coaching is I can give you so much more. I can give you more flexibility. I can give you more results. I can give you more sessions. I can give you more workouts. I can give you more of my time. And the best bit, I can do it all at a more affordable price. So it's cheaper than in-person coaching. It's more affordable than in-person coaching. And you'll get a hell of a lot more from me. And above all, it will get you to your results. I can promise you that much. So if you want to find out more about that, then all you have to do is head over to www.thegymstarter.com. Aside from that, the Fitness Collective is still running. You can go to my same website, thegymstarter.com, and find out all about that as well. Right, that's it from me. Let's get over to Jared, and you're going to love this one. And if you do, please make sure you leave a comment or a review in iTunes, because that really helps the growth of this podcast. And that means an awful lot to me. Thanks for being here, like always. Have a great day and enjoy the podcast. Hello. 
Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Fitness Solution. On the other end of the line, coming out of, oh, hang on, can I remember? Is it Wisconsin you're based then? Indiana. 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 Perfect. I'm close, I think. Um, close, uh, close. <laughs> excellent. Uh, on the other end of the line, I've got Jared Hamilton, who uh, actually came on to the podcast a long, long time ago, probably like two years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, we had all kinds of issues recording it, all kinds of issues with Wi-Fi in my apartment and um, getting across the Atlantic. It was a really windy day as well. It just wasn't good. <laughs> so I thought it's only fair. And luckily, he didn't hold it against me. And he's here to Never. come and help all of you again. So Jared, say hey. What's up, guys? Hope you're well. Thank you again, my man, for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Hey, it, it, it is only, I'm only cheating myself by not having you on it as many times as I possibly can. <laughs> so it's not a problem at all, mate. It's not a problem at all. Um, yeah, so Jared's wonderful. His social medias are just astounding. He's got such a great attitude towards fitness and fat loss and, and fun. He loves eating donuts. He's, he's a great guy. But there's no point in me telling you who he is and what he does and what he's about because <laughs> he knows it a lot better than I do. So, uh, so Jared, let's hear the symphony of your life. <laughs> so I guess the, the Cliff Notes version of my life, it's really pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty low-key. Uh, I'm 28, born and raised in, in Indiana here in the States. And, uh, and I was just a fat kid. Like, like girl, that, that's the thing is I used to think it was like – I used to be like – a victim about it. Like I was, I was a fat kid growing up and I'm just like, I was like, Oh, poor me. Why me? Uh, why do I have to be the one with bad genetics? Why do I have to work all this? It's hard, like all this stuff. But, um, fast forward 20 years, it served me pretty well because now, you know, I, I own my company, which is, you know, a, co- a fitness coaching company that now I can relate to every person I ever talked to just because, you know, I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what it's like sacrificing like your mental health for, you know, a physical body and trying to, do every trendy diet known to man. I was scared of carbs, you know, thought eating every three hours was the magic. I used to spend more money on supplements than I did on groceries and just like, you know, the stereotypical stuff. And, uh, but now it's, it's pretty awesome because what started as just like a side gig in college is now fast forwarded is a, is what I do for a living full time now. And so that's what, you know, I, I do uh, online coaching with people all over the planet. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Have you, like, what's the furthest client you got? Is it Australia? You hit New Zealand? <laughs> Uh, I, I have Australia. I've had Egypt, Perfect. Taiwan, um, Poland. Yeah, like I was all over the place, man. It's it's, it's kind of wild. So because yeah. I was, it's actually weird. Um, I I just I was in New York last weekend for uh, just a fun trip, and I met up with some clients, which was really kind of trippy because you know I have clients in like New York and in Jersey, and and like I met up with like one of my girls in Jer- Jersey. She drove over. And it was just like, I've been coaching her for like the last six months and it's like just seeing her, like hugging her and like seeing her is like, it was almost weird. It yeah. wasn't weird. It was, it was almost surreal. Like all the I, same thing was with like the fitness coaches. I was staying, I, you know, grew close to other fitness coaches in the industry and I like stayed with them and I'm like, yeah. I know everything about you, but like, I never met you in person. It was just, it was almost weird. So I, I love it though. No, I can well believe that. Like when I was acting, it was a bit similar. Like you'd meet someone pretty famous and you know like and and if you're an actor and they're an actor who you really admire like an actor you've studied or you've seen a lot of their work or something like that i feel like you you almost have a conversation with them based on everything you know about their roles and i bet they kind of think that they know it you know it better than they probably can remember it and they're like i Mm -hmm. I don't remember that moment what are you talking about (laughs) it's it is very surreal and very strange i remember once i um a bit of a side note about it'll be fine i uh i did a video for the british army uh it was like a film for the british army i was playing an alcoholic soldier 
And um, <laughs> yeah, mate, it was great. It was great. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what, actually, in that, I had to down, like we did about 15 takes of me downing a pint of beer, but the beer was orange juice and lemonade. And I'll tell you, oh. after like the 15th take, it felt like my blood had changed to orange juice and lemonade. It was, it was oh horrible. God. It was horrible. Um, and we didn't have to keep doing a take because I kept messing it up. So it wasn't my fault. But no, oh, and okay. I had someone and I was sat in a bar up in Chelmsford in Essex. And in Chelmsford is where they have the prison for, um, for the British Army. It's where if you've been mm-hmm. not in the British Army, they'll lock you up and put you in Chelmsford. Uh, Colchester, it was Colchester. Okay. And... Uh, okay. And I was sat in this bar and this guy came up to me, like a proper skinhead, proper jarhead. Like, I was like, oh my God, it was quite scary. He was like, mm. I recognize you. I know you. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? He was like, I, where are you from? And, and I was like, mate, I've never been here before in my life. I haven't done anything wrong. And it was, uh. from, the, it was from the film. And he was like, you're that dude in that film. It was great. Um, you're the yeah. drunk soldier. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he said. Then he got all his mates. He's like, I watched your film like seven times because I couldn't sort my life out. I was like, oh God. Um, yeah, hey ho. So I, I know that feeling well. It's it is strange, but that's great. And um, and so I've got you on today to basically talk about you know like the, the, as you put it, the inside out of fat loss. Yeah. Um, and the psychology that goes behind it, and how you know you have to fix the brain in order to to mm-hmm. kind of get the body moving along as well. So what when you when you term it inside out, how do you how would you go about dissecting that for someone? So it's it's I try to keep it as simple as possible. It, it's the it's the concept of like your headspace, your internal work, your internal dialogue, how you think, how you believe, and all the stuff that goes on in your head is the foundation of everything you do. But too often people avoid it or try to build their what I call the fat loss house with a really poor foundation. It's like an example I I give to people is like imagine if you have the opportunity and the funds to build your dream home. You want a contest and you like all right, you can build your multi million dollar dream home. But the builders come to you and they're like, hey, Adam, like, we got, we got, we're going to take six months to put this foundation in. It's going to look awesome, but we're going to take a, a, a solid six months to build just the concrete foundation of the house. More than likely, most people will be like, yeah, by all means, because everyone knows with a poor, without a, a good foundation, the house is worthless and it will fall. But like, imagine if you said, ah, you know what? I just really want my house. I don't care. Just forget the foundation, put the walls and the roof on. Like that's ignorant. That would never work because you know, the house would crumble in like one storm and it would fall over and it'd be terrible. But when it comes to fat loss, that's what people do. Like, uh, especially because a lot of people have a, a poor foundation mentally around the stuff they have. They struggle with emotional eating. They struggle with binge eating. They struggle with poor relationships with food. They struggle with anxiety around the scale. They struggle with all or nothing mentalities. They struggle with like, there's like 40 different things yeah. in the head that have nothing to do with calories and nothing that has to do with strength training. It's all about you, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with food, your relationship with scale, the scale being run by your emotions, making ill decisions based on emotions. There's all these facets within it what i under what i call the psychology of fat loss but if you don't handle those and you just diet anyway or do workouts anyway or neglect all the the internal work your your house is going to come crumbling down right because it's one of my core values when when i do coaching with people is one of my what i call my coaching core values is every decision is made from the end so back to that house analogy when the house you're, you're you're in right now the guy that built it thought made every decision when he framed it when he put the roof on when he hung the drywall when he put the flooring in he thought will this house be here in 100 years 
And every decision he made was not predicated on the first three months of you living there. Every decision he made was predicated on, will this house be here in a hundred years? And that's how he made every decision. But the issue is when it comes to fat loss, people don't think like that. People are so quick to do trendy diets because it works or it's, it's fast, even though they know they can't sustain it, or they're willing to, I see, see people all the time. They sacrifice their entire mental health, their internal well-being for six pack for to lose 20 pounds. Whereas it, it, it's, it's just the wrong way to go about it. That's why what I call when I do like with my coaching and stuff is what I call dieting from the inside out and attacking first and foremost and handling the internal side of things, because I feel like it's one big mark the fitness industry and coaches lack is like, to be honest, most coaches, if a client says, I struggle with emotional eating, the coach just says, we'll get the trigger food out of the house. And that's it. It's not a commonplace in coaching to talk about things like internal work, meditation, therapy, journaling, inner child work, like all these intricacies of internal, your internal world. It's not commonplace in our industry. So that's why I, there's got to be a lot of things under the umbrella of what I call dieting from the inside out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge. I, I use a similar analogy. I call them the roots of fat loss. I'm like, a lot of people, when they see a tree, they'll, they'll think, okay, I, I want to lose weight. So let's do exercise. And that's like the leaves on the branches. Let's do, uh, you know, get a diet. That's the other leaf on the branch and, you know, sort out nutrition or something like that. That's the other thing. Or yeah. get a personal trainer or whatever. But what they haven't done is they haven't looked at the roots that are going to keep that oak tree there for years. I love and that. that is their anxiety. I've got a good, I've got a good infographic on Instagram. I'll send it to you. Um, it's like, you know, yeah, their anxiety, yeah. their, their relationship with food, their depression, their, you know, the, the list goes on and on the way they talk to themselves and stuff like that. And it's, mm. and I think, I think what is great is as people like you, and I like to think I, I voice it, the opinion quite often as well is that, you know, we, we are personal trainers and we, like for me, this was the first part of it. Like I knew about all of this before I knew about fitness. I knew about all of this sure. before I learned strength training. I learned about all this before I learned how to run a 5k. And because of my background in acting and it was all psychology based and everything else. And I knew about, you know, figuring out the internal in order to figure out the external. And you, you do that very much in the, in, you know, in the acting room. And, um, and I do feel like there's a lot of people out there who are changing the trend. And I think that's wholly positive. Yeah. Um, are you finding people are, are you finding people come to you for your online coaching and they already have a handle on that's how they need to approach it? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I have some people who like, like, like literally like I could have two at what I call application calls when someone's applying to work with me. I could literally have two back to back and be so far off though. Like I've had people come to me who are like, yeah, I want to lose weight, but I want to, my main goal is that I want to fix my relationships with food, or I want to quit being controlled by the bathroom scale, mm -hmm. or I want to learn how to not be obsessive about fat loss. Where like, they want to lose weight, but their main goal is around their headspace. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But then again, I, I've had calls recently with people who um, their main goal is just fat loss. And we'll be on the phone call and they, and I come to find out they binge eat, they have anxiety around the scale, they have all these mental issues around fat loss, and we have to fix those first. <clears throat> and, uh, and I'll say that, and I'll talk to them and give them the exact analogy about the house. And I'll tell them, I'm like, hey, well, first and foremost, we got to fix this side of stuff first, because if we don't take care of it, like you're never going to have long term change. And they go, oh, and they're like disappointed, because they're like, I don't, it's kind of like the analogy I gave a little bit ago, where they're like, I just, I don't, I'm willing to sacrifice that 
to just get my goal. Whereas you, we can't do that. That's literally like having that house built and saying, I'm in a hurry, forget the foundation. Whereas that's just not a good idea. Yeah. Have you ever had a client get to a point where you've kind of taken them on and you're like, you know what? I, I believe in you. I, I think there's something else that we can get to. They've, you, you've done like a, a fast fat loss protocol or you've pushed them to their goal when they've got there and they've managed it. And then once they've got there, they've kind of rebounded away from it and it's all started to go back on. And then they've had to come back to you to refix all the initial problems that you wanted to get them to first. So like they've had to go through a period with you of the way they wanted to do it in order to learn that actually you like you need to work the other way. Um, not, 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 not really because when I like, cause I straight up, cause when it comes to my style of coaching, if someone's like, no, I want to sacrifice my mental health. I don't care. I won't work with coaching. Yeah. Like, uh, just because that goes against my core values of how I coach. Like one of, one of my core values is like I said, is make decisions from the end. And if we can't do that, then we're not a good fit. So generally what happens is someone has had a rough history with another coach or on their own with, you know, overnight diets, trendy diets, crazy rapid fat loss protocols and things like that. Um, and like, if someone wants that, like, to be honest, I won't take them on as a client just because I don't, I'm not the guy for that. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. So generally if that happens, it's because they've had that experience with someone else. And then they're like, okay, Jared, I lost 50 pounds, gained back 60 I get what you're saying. I need to do this the right way. And that's usually how that happens. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's, I, it's, it's really important that we, we know our boundaries and we know who will work with us and who won't, isn't it? And so like, let's take a couple mm -hmm. of those things in and let's see how we could reverse engineer it, say, or work from the, the yeah. end and, and back. So let's take scale anxiety, something you mentioned. Like how, say someone's listened to this and they fear the scale, they can't stand stepping on it. They just, every, they know like, They've tried the daily thing. They've tried the weekly thing. They've tried the monthly thing. Each one seems to bring up different levels of anxiety. Each one seems to create success and failure, success and failure. And they can't find the rhythm that works because they feel like they've tried all three okay. methods and that one of it works. And, and they just can't figure it out. How are you going to take them from the inside out to, to fix that? How can they get used to the scale and understand it's a crazy anomaly? Yeah, no, no, that's a really good question. So there's a few, so how I attack, because we have to attack every one of these differently. We have to attack scale anxiety different than we attack food relationships yeah, yeah, and yeah. how we attack um, progress, regress, all that. But with scale anxiety, how I handle it is if, if someone listening to this is struggling with a scale anxiety, there are two reasons and two reasons alone is either you don't understand the scale, and that's just a knowledge thing, or you're using it improperly as a tool and you're using it out of context. So for example, if and it's, everything comes down to those two. You're either, you don't understand it or you're using it wrong. Um, for example, if someone hops on the scale and weighs 150 pounds and tomorrow they weigh 155 pounds, you and I both know you can't physiologically store five pounds of fat overnight. So if someone freaks out because they fluctuated five pounds overnight, then they don't understand the scale. We need to take a step back and educate about the scale. It's like if somebody's scared to fly. Well, if someone's scared to fly, it's because they don't understand how flying is actually safer than driving, right? There's, it's, it's from an educational standpoint, it's like, oh no, that person doesn't understand. So at that point, I will literally like take someone, walk them back through and educate them on the scale. Like it could be something and really to walk them through it. Like if I weigh 150 pounds and I drink a bottle of water, I will now weigh 151 pounds in about four seconds. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's really working them through his and re-educating <laughs> them about, about it because it's a foundational issue of they, they're physically 
have wrong information about the scale and about fat loss if it bothers them that much, if, if, if it fluctuates overnight, it's because they, they somehow think the body magically stores fat in 24 hours, which is not the case at all. So at that point, it's an education thing. But then there's the other side of it is most people are using the second piece wrong. They're taking it out of context or they're using it wrong as a tool. <clears throat> as in um, paper or scissors are great for cutting paper. But if I use a pair of scissors to cut down a tree, I'm using that tool out of context because a tool is only as good as the context in which it's being used. Yep. So for example, if someone weighs themselves every week, every month, every Tuesday, cause they feel fat and they have no context with that weigh in. So they might weigh themselves on Monday, the first, and they weigh 150 pounds. And then they weigh themselves on Monday, the 14th, two weeks later. And they're like 153 pounds and they go, Oh my gosh, I, I gained weight. I'm not losing weight. But, but again, they're using that tool out of context because you can't just say you weigh this on Monday and weigh that on two weeks later because there's a lot between them that can happen because of going back to the educational piece. If you don't understand how the scale works, understand the, bio, understand the biological processes of how the body stores water and fat and what you know, fluctuations mean and how fluctuations are normal and expectations around it, it's all this information stuff. And, but when people think it's like, inherently one thing the other part that i would almost call a part three is when people have their identity of who they are wrapped up in the scale like the fact that who they are is 130 pounds but who they aren't is 131 pounds whereas if your identity is wrapped up in the scale that's like your identity being wrapped up in the kind of car you drive whereas what happens when that goes away you, you go away with it if someone's identity is wrapped up in the scale well every time it fluctuates you're literally taking a jab at your identity which is then your brain goes into fight or flight because it's taking a, a jab at survival, right? So usually when it comes to the scale, it's one of those three, they either don't understand it and that's an educational thing. They're using it wrong as a tool, which gets back into doing things like daily weigh-ins and pictures and measurements and dialing in things like calories and protein and strength training to get a full piece of this contextually, uh, but then also making sure your headspace is in check about where your identity is at to make sure it's not in the pounds you weigh. Yeah, I often find um, I often find with clients who I have with scale anxiety, the, my online clients, uh, it's it's very much like the, the hardest period is like that first month because they don't have enough data to understand the patterns mm -hmm. of what's going on. And once once I get maybe a month, maybe two months of data in with them, then I'm like, mm -hmm. great. Now we can now we can look at what the patterns are. So on a Tuesday, yeah. if you always fluctuate, on a Tuesday you always fluctuate. You've got data and getting them to understand that they've got yeah. a phase of accruing data to understand that context is difficult if i can get that buy-in mm -hmm. often they're on a path well away from it and, and removing those things and the other thing you say about i yeah entity is is nuts like it's because we wrap ourselves up in identity all the time like i know recently i've wrapped myself up quite wrongly and, and quite irritatingly mm -hmm. i think a lot of it has to do with being more time having more time at home and like literally following numbers on instagram right and and that mm -hmm. sounds, yeah, 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 that sounds as daft to someone listening to this i'd imagine as it does to us about them wrapping up their identity yeah. on the scale but like you know i'd lose 100 mm -hmm. followers overnight and i for a good sort of two three days i was thinking jesus me i'm just never gonna make this work i'm never mm -hmm. gonna i must suck big time 
and <laughs> and and then like and then you, I look for external validation, and then you know somebody mm. pops into my message request, and they're like, buy four thousand followers for twenty quid. I'm like, don't do it. But I'm also like, mm. I could do it just to alleviate that right. annoyance. And then I'm doing, I'm you know, I might as well be sucking on a fat loss pill. Um, as opposed right. to right <laughs> out, right? Um, and I can't afford a fat loss pill, mate. I don't know if you. I mean, I'm, I like if I have one of those, I'm going to disappear off the face of the earth. Um, right, right. And it's for me, it's the same thing. And we wrap our identities up in everything, and it's so hard mm. to not. Um, but when it becomes so much more personal, like Instagram, for me, is the same analogy because mm-hmm. it's a mark of my business or how well I'm doing in terms of. Sure my my yeah everything um which is ridiculous and people are the same on the scale no i get that it's tough isn't it do you find do you find like getting your clients to look through the data to to look at their daily weigh-ins and and watch graphs and stuff like that really helps with this yeah yeah so it's interesting because it's crazy so there's a there's a thing in psychology that i use a lot that's called that i that that i say the body tells the mind what to think I, i compare it to uh I compare it to flying where a lot of people like know on paper that like flying is safer than driving, right? It's like you have all the data to support flying is safer than driving, but people don't care. They are literally like reading it as they get onto the plane. They're like, holy shit, I'm so scared to fly. But it's not until they get up there that they realize, oh, nothing bad's going to happen. And then it's like someone snaps their fingers. So it's the same thing with this is too often. There's a quote by Will Smith. It says, if you can't get rid of the fear, show up scared. And people with, with a scale, they just don't use it. And they're just like, oh, no, the scale doesn't define me. And then they just get rid of it. I'm like, bro, it just defined you. You literally just threw it out because you don't like the number it gives you. So, so often with this stuff is you just have to face it. If you have scale anxiety, getting rid of the scale does not take it away, right? It's almost like if you want to clean your house and you just take the dirt and put it under the rug, the dirt's still there. It, like, you, you don't just get it. it that, that would be like, that's so like, like it's the normal go-to like, Oh, the scale gives me anxiety. I'm just going to quit weighing myself. It's going to make it better. That's like the same logic of I can't play guitar. So I'm just going to like watch a bunch of guitar videos and then instantly be able to play. It's like, no, the only way I'm going to be able to play guitar and I can't play is work through the suck and sound like trash for a while. And then over time it will get better percentage wise. And I'll eventually be able to sound like rock star. It's the same thing as with any type of fear, you have to face it. You can't avoid the fear and hope it goes away. It doesn't work like that because I compare it also with the scale is like your partner brings you a gift. Like, um, like for example, if I brought my wife home flowers, uh, let's say I bring her flowers just once every, every in, in a while, once a month, something like that. It stays special. Does it not? If I like bring her just surprise her with gifts every once in a while, it stays special. She has an emotional response. She's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I love this. Well, what if I bring her gifts and flowers every single day? All of a sudden, it doesn't seem as special. All of a sudden, it's, I'm almost like datafied. It's like, I bring her flowers on Monday. She's like, oh my gosh, this is great. Thank you. Then I bring her flowers on Tuesday. She's like, oh, wow. Thank you. That's, that's really nice. That's two days in a row. Wednesday, oh, more flowers. Thanks. Thursday, more flowers. Friday, more flowers. And now it's been like three weeks and I'm, she literally has 21 bundles of flowers. And not she probably, right, right, right. And she, all of a sudden she doesn't even, she probably doesn't even care anymore. It's, or if she, she does, but it does not have the same emotional effect as if when I bring it sporadically. So when someone weighs themselves every week, every month, every once when they feel fat, they 
they keep it emotional. They keep it like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Versus like when you weigh every single day, you start to, you, you will naturally see trends and averages and you're like, oh wait, I've been down for the past three days. I bet I'm going to spike tomorrow. Oh, there I spike tomorrow. I bet I'm going to stay this way for a few days. Okay, it's been three days. I bet I'm going to drop tomorrow and then it drops. And, it, and then you start to pick up on that. And it's the only way to, in my opinion, to get through that is you have to understand it. You have to start using it correctly. And even if emotions aren't on board yet, you got to show up anyway. And through action, your body tells your mind what to think and it will get better. But when it's something that you're uncomfortable with, that's the hard part is most people just want to avoid it, but it doesn't take the issue away. Cause I'll, I'll literally give clients that, that, that option is I'll have someone working with me and they're like, all right, Jared, the whole daily way and things makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, well, here's our options. Then we can either make it a goal to work through the scale anxiety and win it and get on the other side of it. Instead of avoiding that trigger, we can just eliminate the trigger, which will take time or we can avoid it. And know that when you go to the doctor next time and weigh yourself, you're probably going to have a panic attack and freak out because we never handled the trigger. We just avoided it. Which do you want to do? And I'll, I'll literally leave it up to them, but I'll let both scenarios play out. It's like, do you want to handle the trigger and get rid of it, which is going to take time? Or do you want to just avoid it, but know that when you step on the scale, the problem never went away? On my, I, I, It's great. I mean, on my YouTube channel, I, I – Take, I took at the start of lockdown, I took a client who hadn't looked at the scan in two years and mm. I took her through like a should you weigh yourself daily sort of challenge and I've done a whole video on it on YouTube and like what I found most amazing about it was not the fact that, you know, she went from not knowing it for two years to understanding it, facing it and going through the fears with it and coming out the other side to now being mm -hmm. able to disregard it, but also the way she was able to inspire others once I produced that video to get other people to start doing it as well. And, and they could see her progress and it became infectious yeah. for them. And then they sure. now all done it. And then you're just going to be spreading it um, awesome. more and more. It, 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 she's, she's a superstar, that client. I, you know, um, she has a tough time of it. And, and what I found with her was it always got tougher when she knew that she wasn't sticking to her calories when she knew she wasn't in a calorie deficit mm. and then when the scale went up it was sure. a reinforcement of her already negative feeling about herself because she wasn't able to stay on the plan that she needed to stay on in order to get the scale to move in the right way yeah. and i think that's when it comes it becomes more difficult like yeah we can sit here and say yeah weigh yourself every day you know we'll get rid of anxiety we'll get rid of your fear which um uh, when I had Sarah Doff on here, she, she called fear false expectation appearing real, which I just love. Um, I think that's just mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we can get rid of that. But then if you're not going to, you can't do all of that if you're then going to still eat, you know, four McDonald's every day and expect it to go down just because you're yeah. stepping on it every day. The work still has to underpin you being able to face that fear. Yeah. Action has to line up with execution. Yeah. And no action has to line up with ambition. That's yeah. a saying that I use a lot. Your action always has to line up with your ambition. You know, it's exactly, you just said it beautifully. Yeah. 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 And also big props to you for being the first person I've ever heard to quote Will Smith. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, it, it was funny. I saw that on, a, uh, it was on a TikTok of his. Right. Okay. Like, He's a funny one to follow on TikTok. And he, uh, but he, but he had this big post saying, if you can't get rid of the fear, just show up scared. And I'm like, yeah. that is just brilliant life advice. Yeah. Like if you, you just, you've got to do it. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. So, yeah. It's like, the thing is, is if you, if you're not willing to do that, 
you're, you're going to start protecting yourself and you're going to start building walls around yourself mm. to protect yourself. And then what happens is like, you know, you build a wall in front of you, you build two walls beside you, you build a wall behind you and put a roof on top. You're not, you're not, you're not mm-hmm. protecting yourself from your fear. You're putting yourself in a prison away from that fear. And you're now in prison by your fear. And it's like, you're never going to get anywhere. Um, yeah, that, I got mm-hmm. that from Richard Nichols. But yeah, that's, that's what it's like. So, then, so that's like the scale. I feel like we've done that. And I think people have hopefully got tons of help out of that. Oh, yeah. And should we, should we tackle binge eating? We can. I mean, I'm all about it. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, I mean, that's a huge one. And it's something I'm, I'm still learning about as a coach as well, to be honest. Um, so it'd be great to get your thoughts on that. So how would we like reverse engineer binge eating? So with binge eating, first and foremost, if someone's ever having these really big issues around this stuff, um, and more than more than like what like you and I are talking about, mm. um, I'm always a fan of people getting like psychological help, like yeah. literally going and seeing a therapist who like di- who literally can diagnose and treat binge eating and things like that. But the thing with binge eating that I see in the fitness and fat loss world so much is um, number one, there's there's a side of it where people are hiding their emotions with food right? Like you're sad. So you're trying to not see the sad emotions with donuts or whatever. It's the same thing. Like when people just hide with stress, like they, like when people tell me they're like, Oh, the gym is my therapy. It's like, no, it's not. It's you're using the gym as a distraction and not see your own, your own negativity in your life. So we don't want to distract, but that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. But for the most part in my, my experience with binge eating is it's because it's coming from a massive level of deprivation. So what happens is people think certain foods are good, certain are bad. So they avoid the bad ones. And then the, the, the cravings creep, 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 creep. And then they eventually have a day where they're like, I can't take this anymore. And that's when they go ballistic on food. It's because they're, they keep bouncing from ultra deprived overindulge and binge. And that leads to more deprivation because they binge. There's like, there's, there's the deeper side where people are like hiding their negative emotions and negativity and inner child and all this psychological stuff with food. But that's like a whole nother topic. But yeah. the bigger reason why I see a lot of people hiding or not hiding why people binge eat is just because of the way they view food. They have this preconceived list of, list of good foods and bad foods, healthy and unhealthy foods. I should avoid foods. I should are okay to eat foods that are not allowed if I want to lose weight and foods that are allowed. Whereas that's the issue. Food is not black and white on or off. It's, it's not like good or bad. Cause there's a term I use is the doses or the dose is what makes poison lethal. So like, like theoretically you could literally inject small doses of snake venom and you wouldn't die. It's only mm-hmm. when it's a certain level. It's the same thing as like, so with food, it's not that like pizza is inherently bad. It's should you eat whole pizzas at once? Probably not. But is there anything wrong with having a couple slices when you're going out with friends? You know, that's, it's totally fine. The issue we have there in the UK is like a couple of slices of a pizza in America is an entire pizza in the UK. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, man. That's hilarious. I was watching Breaking so, Bad yeah. earlier. They bought a pizza and that, and he picked up a slice. He couldn't even pick up a slice. Like, he picked up the whole so thing. Big. And I was like, that, that looks, that, that just, it looks as big as my car tire. You know, I was that's like, funny. that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah sorry. pizzas are huge. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Uh, that was a really small. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but like the thing is with, uh, when, when it comes to the, the food relationship stuff is when you have this, this, this constant idea of these are good, these are bad. And then it makes it worse when it's like, okay, I'm dieting. I'm not allowed to have sugar. I'm not allowed to have junk food. I'm not allowed to have soda. I'm not allowed to have alcohol. 
Um, I'm and, and I have cheat foods, just labeling things like cheat is just like the worst thing ever. Like that's just your verbiage around food. It plays a big role. But the thing is when you have this constant, not even balance, this constant extremism of ultra deprived because you're on a diet that leads to, that's what causes the binge. Ultra and then because you binge, that's what causes you to deprive again. It's like people like go diet starts Monday, then they instantly go scarcity and they're like, oh, I'm on a diet, which means I'm not allowed to have X, Y, and Z. So then they deprive and they may, might last a couple of weeks. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to have like one piece of pizza, but they have two or three weeks of deprivation. So then they binge and then they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I binge. I got to get back on track. And then they go back to deprivation again versus learning balance. It's, it's interesting because we have like the, a work-life balance with like our work and our personal life and all this stuff, but people don't think they need a fitness fat loss life balance where it's the exact same thing. No, I, I mean, I think balance is the most important word in the English dictionary. And, mm-hmm. and I, but it's similar, like even just like if you take a normal seven day weeks, an office worker type thing, who's trying to diet, you know, typical kind of story. We've all heard it. You know, someone's working and she's like, oh, you know, I've been good all week on a Friday night. And then suddenly, because she's been good all week, the weekend is just a blowout. And and Shion does all of her good work in the week. And then the weekend is a blowout. And like, I think a lot of people often think of binges, a binge is, you know, like eating two tubs of ice cream at 11 p.m. at night. um, And and that constitutes a binge or avoiding food in front of others and, you know, eating a whole pizza at one o'clock in the morning and nobody else knows about (laughs) it and stuff like that. And that is that is very extreme versions of binge eating. But then so, too, is being good all week and letting yourself go a bit too much at the weekend. So, too, is not having just not just, you know, trying to stick to a thousand calories a day and then giving yourself a whole week off where you stick to three thousand calories a day. Mm-hmm. that's a form of binge you know, eating as well yeah i mean it's it, there's there's so many levels to it just like the fact that people have ill relationships around food where like mm-hmm. as soon as monday rolls around people have like a scarcity mentality um because when they're scarce they're like wait it, it's 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 interesting because like when they monday rolls around and people go into scarcity mode it's like oh i'm not supposed to have this for a really long time. So then the weekend gets there and they indulge and then they go, I wait, I'm going to be back to my diet on Monday. I don't know when the next time I can have pizza again. So I better get all I can have now. Like this is the world's last pizza. And the issue is like, that's not the case though, right? Like you could literally have pizza every single day. You could have a donut every single day. Like there's nothing in the world we live in around food that's scarce. You know what I mean? Whereas but people have this relationship around food that's like certain foods are scarce because they're on a diet. But like, like one of my favorite ways to fix this with my clients is I basically like figure out the foods that they have issues with and I make them eat them every single day. Like if they're, if they're scared of eating like chips, I tell them to go to the vending machine and buy a little mini bag of chips every single day till the anxiety goes away. And then they lose weight eating chips. Then it's like something snapped. It's like, the, it's like God snapped his fingers and fixes that, it all. That's exactly the same conversations we was having with the scale. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have to put what you're struggling with in front of you, make no. that your target to fix it, but it's not through avoidance, no. right? It, I would argue avoidance makes it the issue worse. But the thing is with like food relationships, they're no different than people relationships as they take time to grow and cultivate, but even more so if there's baggage, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine like, like I have friends who uh, their parents were pretty absent when they were little, like one of my friends, her mom, 
um, basically like at three, like bounced and got out and was into drugs and, and like did really bad stuff and just got out of the picture and left her daughter. Well, now her daughter is an adult in her twenties and the mom came back into her life and is like, Hey, I want to have a relationship with you. Well, because there's baggage, the daughter's not just going to go, okay, mom, back okay. to normal. There's like the daughter's going to have boundaries and she's going to be like, okay, let's start the mend. But she's not going to go back to hunky-dory and all happy-go-lucky. She's going to say, here's the boundaries, and let's slowly start to fix this. Same thing with food. If you have a bad history with binge eating or a bad history with food relationships, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to have Doritos every day or Oreos and donuts and be fine. It's like, no, you need to put up boundaries. I'm going to have one every single day. I'm not going to have them in the house until I'm at a good place with this so I'm going to have, go out to the gas station every single day and buy a donut. I'm going to go to the mini machine at work every single day and buy a mini bag of chips. And I'm going to slowly heal this relationship I have with food until it's at the point where it's good and I can have the foods back into my house. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a great, great strategy. What I find really interesting about the scarcity thing, going back to kind of work and when Monday rolls around and that conversation is I find it interesting that people, people think they can be more scarce with their diet when they have a greater routine in their life right mm. so like you know we our work dictates a big rhythm of our life sure. and they think because they have that rhythm in terms of where they've got to be and what they have to do each day they can then add on a layer of restriction in that because they're already physically restricted and mentally restricted they can add mm. on a layer of restriction on top of that with what foods they eat and and that's not, and then it's like but if you just kept routine in your life the whole time you might be able to find balance in that or if you just allowed freedom when you have strict routine and freedom when you didn't have strict routine, you'd find greater balance across the whole week as well. It's just yeah. interesting how like what, how your, how your physical environment is affecting your, mm -hmm. your personal and physical relationship with food as well. It's, um, it's rough. It's really rough. I mean, I think the key word with that that you just said is freedom. Like we want free. If you think about all areas in our life, we thrive in because the goal is not to just get by. The goal is to thrive. We want freedom in everything, right? We want freedom with our work. Like, like it's generally if someone has a flexible work schedule, that's more free. People are happier versus if they're like nine to five, it has a whole different energy. Um, versus if someone has a relationship that's very free, not saying you can cheat on your partner, but I'm saying is if it's not like, micromanage and they're checking cell phones and checking internet usage and like, where trusted. are you? What are you doing? It's, 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 there's a freedom about it. Like right now I just looked out my window and my wife just like left and I, I, she's just, I think going to go get friend lunch with a friend and I don't care. I don't, I don't get, I don't give a shit what she does. Um, or it's the same thing with this. Like our, we have a relationship that's very free. Um, I don't control her. She doesn't control me. If you think about your money, right? You want to have enough abundance financially where you feel free. You don't have to, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. You don't want to, you know, fret over every dollar you spend. Freedom, if we can get freedom in something, we, we, we're free. We feel bulletproof. We feel like thrive, like we can thrive. But the issue around food is everyone feels trapped. They feel like they're in a steel cage. That's like a little dog crate, a little puppy would fit in. We're like, that's how people feel around food and fat loss. And that's the issue because we have these goals around fitness and fat loss and nutrition and all this stuff because we think it'll make us happier and it'll make our lives better. But too often we get into cases where we actually feel held back and like we can't have our happiness because of fitness, fat loss, guilt, anxiety, deprivation, all these crazy negative emotions around food where it actually ends up if taken wrong, it can be an impediment to what we're trying to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a really great way of summing it up. And we thrive in freedom. I think that's a fantastic way. It's like um, on stage, we used to, you know, plays are called plays because you're meant to play. It's a playground. Yes. You're meant to have fun. You're meant to enjoy yourself. Yep. And you're meant to explore, develop, and investigate it when, you know, when, you're doing, when you're playing Hamlet, Othello, whoever it might be. And I, I take the same attitude into the gym. I'm like, yeah, okay, there's like you can find freedom within the guidelines like be, mm-hmm. you have to build a structure and then just play around and find your freedom you know like yeah do, do what you enjoy um within your structure within your guidelines and and once you find that freedom within that you're gonna be you are gonna be happier you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna do so much better um you know you're gonna listen to your body a lot more you're gonna probably improve your weights because you're gonna go you know what i'll try this today i'll do that you'll get yeah. rid of fear around it as well and um and it all comes so full circle it's like the gym should be a playground your pantry should be a playground and you should mm-hmm. investigate and enjoy it in every way shape and form you possibly can i think um, absolutely no I, that's such an amazing that's that's such an amazing analogy to use is that it should be a fun playground because we think like how like a little kid goes to like a sandbox or a playground. That's a, that's such a, I'm going to use that. That's going to, that's I'll such let you a have beautiful it. I'll let you have it. As a thank you for coming okay, on to the thanks, podcast. Bro. You can have it, my friend. <laughs> thanks, Just make bro. sure you tag me in it. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll tag you in it. <laughs> but it's true. Is it? But it's true of anything, isn't it? It's like, if I, I look at children these days, like, cause I'm getting older, like I'm 33 and I look at children and I'm, I'm now starting to see animals as well. And they just have this, the, the, their innocence is dictated by their freedom. They have yeah, no, absolutely. they have no restriction. They have no understanding of what the world is. They're just free. And that brings them that innocence and that innocence mm-hmm. makes them happy. And I think as an adult, we spend, we probably spend far too much of our life not understanding that is really what we need to try and achieve. We need to find innocence in order mm-hmm. to to find that freedom. Like, like what you said with your wife, you know, she's just gone in She's gone innocently. Now, if you start attaching yeah. all kinds of guilt to it, you know, mm-hmm. if you have personal guilt or if you think there's guilt in her life and between your relationship, then her leaving suddenly isn't an innocent act of freedom. Right. It's suddenly a loaded act of triggering. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting because if you look at like comparing it to, to children, like you just said, they find free, there's freedom, but Children operate best when they fry, <laughs> find freedom within boundaries and guidelines. Yeah. But there's a difference between structures and ga- uh, structure, boundary guidelines, and a rigid protocol. If you told a child how he can play, you can only take these two race cars or action figures and only play with them this way, that would be bad. But if you just said, hey, don't leave the backyard. Yes. Do whatever you want to do. Don't leave the backyard. Don't leave the playground. You know, it's, and it's the same thing as with, with, with like guys like you and I, when we coach is we want as much freedom as possible with our clients within boundaries and guidelines where it gets sticky is when you say, okay, you have to eat six times a day, this many calories per meal. You can only eat these three foods. And all of a sudden it's like telling a child how he can play versus like when our nephews come over, we don't have kids. We have nephews. And when then nephews come over, I don't give a, I do not care what they do in my backyard. I just don't want them leaving my backyard. That's why we have a fence. I said, you can go climb trees, you can go jump over stuff, you can go run, you can go dig holes. I don't care what you do, just don't leave the backyard. And they go and have a blast. It's the same thing. It's like, look, save them calories, eat mostly whole foods, strength train. But if you want some donuts every day, have some donuts. If you want to go enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. But you should be as free as possible within this stuff. It's like with our, like Shelby and my relationship, my wife. 
Like our boundaries are we're married. We don't have sex with anyone else other than each other. We stay committed to our relationship, like normal marital stuff. But like, she's going to, I think to get lunch with a friend and I'm sitting here with you. Like we don't report to each other. It's, it's that same kind of thing. There's a structure and boundaries of marriage, but otherwise it's like, we do whatever we want. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing how much of that is entwined into trust, right? If your nephews jump the fence, suddenly oh, man, you'd consider, yeah, suddenly you'd consider building a bigger boundary because they've yep. broken your trust. Yep. Um, like my, my fiance at the minute is in Australia. She's in Queensland. Um, mm. And I haven't seen her for the last like three, four months. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to see her again, but I don't, not once have I second guessed my relationship. Not once sure. have I thought, oh, she's going out tonight. Or not once have I thought, what is she doing right now? Why is she not? Not like the thought hasn't entered my head. Yeah. Because our, our entire relationship is based on complete and utter trust. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think when people, when people get given their boundaries, when we, who we coach, they get given their boundaries, they find that freedom. When they step outside that boundary and they feel like they've broken their trust to themselves, not necessarily to us as our coach, because us as their coach will always empathize with them. We'll always right. sit there and we'll go, yeah, but that makes sense. Like, just tell me, talk mm-hmm. to me, and then we'll rebuild that trust within it. It's when they, they feel like they've broken the trust with themselves yeah. does it become a bigger problem. And they need to understand that they can trust themselves. They can trust themselves to go outside of the boundaries because they, they can trust themselves to come back inside mm-hmm. as long as they're honest about it, they move forward with it, and they resolve it within themselves. Absolutely, man. Like I don't, that, that was so beautifully stated. It's, it's, it all comes back to that, that relationship we have with ourselves, right? It's why it, it all goes back to reinforcing the inner work, yeah. right? If you have a horrible relationship with the person in the mirror, that's the stem of your problem, right? It's not calories. It's not protein. It's, it, it's saying it like that makes it sound just like juvenile, yeah. right? But it's one of those things where it's like, no, how you feel about yourself, how you show up for yourself, are you the person who you think you are, that you say you are, that you try to be? Are you that person, right? It's why one of my, uh, another core value of mine when it comes to coaching is take, when, when I'm teaching people is take pride in promise keeping, especially when you don't want to, because it's just like uh, our ability to keep our own promises to ourselves dictates, to be honest, our happiness. Because if you, it, it's what most people struggle with. It's like, if you say, I'm gonna start over tomorrow, and you don't. I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning and do cardio and don't. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not fall off the deep end this weekend and fail. Like, you keep chipping away at that every day, and that's what's going to cause you to unravel, and that's what's going to cause you to quit believing in yourself. It's no wonder you're not confident. The past 100 uh, promises you didn't fulfill. It's no different than, like, if, if I told you right this interview, if, I, if you said, Jared, let's do it tomorrow at 2.15, and I said, okay, and I just didn't show up, and you said, hey, what's going on? I said, I just changed my mind. You would be like, oh, well, that's not cool. And then I would be like, well, let's reschedule for tomorrow. And then if you're like, you're a good dude. So you'd be like, okay, let's do it tomorrow. And then I just no show you again. And then you're like, Hey, just checking in. I thought we were doing this. And I go, Oh, well, my favorite TV show is on. So I just decided not to show up. And I said, but let's do it tomorrow. You would probably be like, all right, I'll give him one more shot. And then you're like, all right, let's do it tomorrow. And then I no show again guess what? Your belief level in me is dropping every time. Is it not? It's just, it's, you're losing respect for me. You're losing confidence in me if I were to do that. But the crazy, and most people would agree to that rightfully so, but most people do that to themselves. I'm going to start over tomorrow. No show. I'm going to get my workout in tomorrow after work. No show. 
I'm going to start my nutrition over. Don't do it. And then we lose the same respect for ourselves as you would someone else that, that didn't respect you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's similar to the, the James Clear principle in Atomic Habits, isn't it? Of never miss twice. You know, if you, if yes. you make a promise to yourself, never miss twice. Yeah, miss one day, that's fine. Don't miss two. Because if you miss two, you're going to miss three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Yep. And then it's, and it's so much harder to get back on. You put that on a pedestal and you, you, you're just never going to be able to manage it again. And what you say about giving up on yourself and everything else, I think that comes very much from how people have been treated in their lives as well by others time and time again. Like when I, when I first started as a personal trainer and you hear it still banded about quite a lot, like, oh, you know, if your clients aren't adhering to what you ask them to do and everything, then just fire them, get rid of them. If they're causing you too much stress, just get rid of them, fire them. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that because the people I work with have probably had people fire them mentally, physically, emotionally, all of their lives. That, and the reason they're coming to me is so that they're not going to get fired. The reason they're coming Mm -hmm. to me is that I will always believe in them, even when Mm -hmm. they treat me poorly. And I will never give up on you. You might end up giving up on yourself at some point and hopefully Mm -hmm. that won't happen that soon but I'm not going to be the one that pulls the plug because yeah. I, I, I am, it's my responsibility as your coach to keep believing in you no matter what. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. Cause that's the thing is it's also like, like um, an analogy I like to use with this is some people just take longer. Like yeah. for, for a coach to fire someone cause they're struggling is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's like a tutor <laughs> firing, like refusing to work with someone because they don't understand math, but it's like, that's what a tutor's for. Yeah. It's like, so growing up, I wasn't like, I, when it came to school, like normal school stuff, I, I, I was like, that was not my cup of tea. Mm. Very, had lots of, like, I almost wonder if I had like a learning disability, like I struggled that much. But there would be time, like I would be doing math, struggled with math. Now I do calorie calculating, right, for a living. <laughs> yeah. But like, I would be struggling with math really bad. And I would just be working with a problem. And I'm just like, I, I would literally do it 50 times. And I did not understand it. I was getting more confused, more frustrated, more upset. The longer, it's like the longer I was with it, I kept struggling, 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 struggling. But then like the one time it was like, oh, it makes sense now. And I, th- I think about that every time I have a client who's really going through a rough time where a coach normally would have fired them as a client where it's like, what if this is just the, their math problem where it's like, they're just struggling, 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 but then they hit the one, it's like a pinata. You're hitting, swinging, feeling like nothing's happening, but then one day you go boom and, and the candy open. goes everywhere. And that's how it is. And I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that that's been their reality because people forget. I think coaches forget that we're like, in, in so many cases, it's like the math tutor, right? People come to us because they're struggling, not because they're thriving. They've been struggling and having a hard time, so they're getting us to help. And that's when we need to be more empathetic, more compassionate, more understanding, have more grace, and not just be like, no, you inconsistent fuck, like quit doing that. You know, it's, it's that same kind of thing. Yeah, it's like having 2,000 wires, and we've just got to find the one that's going to turn the light bulb on. But, you know, it, and, and sometimes we'll find it quicker with others and sometimes it will take us to 1,999. But once we get that light bulb on, yep. we're working. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's a good note to probably like put a pin in this because I think there we go. Otherwise we'll be here all night, won't we? Um, <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. Um, I, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Like it Absolutely. means so much to me. And I'm sure like, all my listeners are going to really value this. It's been such a great episode and it's so great to hear that people I get on my podcast, bring flowers to their wife. That's really mm-hmm. wonderful. And it's also, you know, I've got to say, I think you probably have the best beard in fitness. 
<laughs> it's looking that. very no, good. I've been working on it. I've been working on it. I need. He needs trimmed a little bit, but like I, I've been, dude. I've been, I've been nursing this beard for 28 years, my friend. It's so. looking good. It's far better than mine. <laughs> I can't grow one. So there you go, buddy. Um, tell the world how they can find you because I'm sure they're going to want to. Uh, I appreciate that. So for, uh, first of all, best place to find me is uh, two places. Either it's actually being rebuilt right now, but my website is hamiltontrained.com. Um, but otherwise, easiest place to find me is my podcast, which is the Hamilton Trained Podcast, um, or over on Instagram at Real Jared Hamilton. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on here. It's an honor. I, I always love connecting with you, so I really appreciate it. My pleasure, dude. My pleasure. I didn't realize you had your own podcast. That's just ignorance on my behalf. I'll, uh, I'll definitely 190 episodes in, my friend. Excellent. I'll put that in my ears for sure. Um, because okay. I've 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 enjoyed this. I don't do these podcasts for my listeners. I do them for me. I, I'm sure I'm the person who gets the most out of them. I'm telling you. Um, I appreciate that, man. I'm sure it's not true, but it's it's been an absolute joy, Jared. Like you have the most amazing day. I hope your old wife comes back happy and healthy. And um, <laughs> and uh, and honestly, from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of everyone who listens to this, from the bottom of everybody who listens to this is heart. <laughs> is that a phrase? Is that a sentence? Very I like it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I really, Ab truly appreciate it. Absolutely, brother, man. I appreciate it. The pleasure is always mine. So You're too kind. You're too kind. Thanks, pal. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of The Fitness Solution, and it was such a treat, joy, and pleasure to have Jared on with me. And as you could probably tell, I absolutely love chatting to him. Please go check him out. He's worth every ounce and second of time that you may give him on social media or however else you, you digest his information. I listened to his podcast just the other day, his latest episode, and it was fantastic. So maybe head over there as well. Thank you for being here. I Words can't describe how much I appreciate you for listening to what I do. 2020 has been a very hard month, uh, month, year for everyone. And you may or may not know that my fiance is on the other side of the world. And pretty much all I have is my laptop and my microphone. And all I'm doing is writing as much content as I can for you to find out more about how to make fat loss a success for you. All I'm doing is picking up my microphone and recording as much as I can, whether that be on YouTube, for podcasts, I'm asking everyone and anyone to come onto it and I'm hoping to get even better guests. I'm not sure if I can than what I already have. It's a true honor to be able to do this for you. It's a true joy of mine to be able to do it for you. And it's a lovely distraction from the kind of sadness that I have that I don't have my fiance by my side these days. So thank you. That's all I'm trying to say because you being here is helping me more than I think you'll ever know. And that's really, truly a remarkable thing. I hope you have a great day. I really do. And if you need anything at all, all you have to do is reach out to me. My name is Adam and I'm known as the Gym Starter. Ciao.